Some may find the following disturbing. Discretion is advised. Gabriel Talks Football is a production of the Barroom Network. Make sure you follow Greg on Twitter at G-G-A-B-E football and follow the Barroom Network at Barroom Network. If you prefer to see the video version of this show, just go to YouTube and search Barroom Network. You'll see a list of our live shows and Gabriel Talks Football is there. Good morning, Bears fans, Barflies, and uh, followers from around the world. I consider this the very first show of the football season. As soon as the guys show up for camp, that's when I start to believe that. All right, all of this other nonsense we've been talking about before, now we can talk about football. And Gabriel Talks Football is going to lead us off. But also, as the days and weeks come along, we're going to be adding more and more programming focused on the Chicago Bears. We're going to have tons of programming. We're gearing up for 20 hours of fresh programming every week on the Chicago Bears here on the Barroom Network. My name is Aldo Gandia. We bring in the man of the hour, Greg Gabriel, how are you, my friend? I'm, I'm doing good. I'm doing real good. good. I'll tell you, first day of camp. You know what I think about first day of camp? First day of grinding. Because, <laughs> you, you know, you, all of a sudden now you're back to in the office at 7. Mm-hmm. Maybe you get to drive home about 9. Mm-hmm. And so it's long <laughs> days, and these long days go all the way until the draft. So it, it's... Uh, it's the beginning of a long, long, long season from front office point of view. Yeah, and I saw your article over at Windy City Gridiron. You talked about being a scout, and uh, one of the first things you wrote about was the sacrifice that it takes to be a scout. And that goes along with anyone in the professional football world. You know, the amount of time you've got to invest to being good at your job. Uh, it, and if you don't invest it, you're going to get beat out by guys who do, right? Yeah, well, I, you know, I wrote in that article and I, and I purpose, purposely put it in there. You know, a week after I, not even a week after I came here, we were down two scouts, so I had to hire two right away. And, you know, I interviewed Chris Ballard and Ted Monago, who I ended up hiring. But during all, you know, and I, the first interviews were all done via the phone and I talked to him for great length, like over an hour each time. But I spent my time talking, trying to talk them out of it. Mm -hmm. You know, well, number one, I wanted to see how much they wanted it. But number two, I wanted them to know beforehand, before they signed on the dotted line, because this ain't easy. Okay. You can be glamorous in the eyes of, of fans and in the public because you're working for an NFL team. But forget about going to, to kids' baseball games, football games, basketball games, dance recitals. I missed the birth of both of my daughters, not because I wanted to. Yeah. I couldn't get home fast enough. I mean, you know, my ex calls me up at 4.30 because I'm going into labor. I'm in, I'm in Lansing, Michigan, so I had to drive to Detroit and the airport's only an hour and 15 minutes. But the very first flight out was 7 o'clock in the morning. Jeez. And so but I got on that flight, it's an hour flight to Buffalo. By the time I landed, I mean, Jerry had baby. And it's not, not like I said, it's not like I, I didn't try to get there. Yeah, and and yeah. the other one was uh, Kelsey was born premature. 
she was like seven weeks premature. And I was up in northern Michigan. I was in Marquette, Michigan in the middle of October. So I get the call. I go, oh, shit. And now you can't get a flight out of Marquette after about three o'clock in the afternoon. And I'm getting the call at nine o'clock at night. Oh, so, you know, and the only flights they have going in and out of Marquette are, are puddle jumpers. Mm-hmm. So I have a rental car and I, you know, I'm thinking, what the hell am I going to do? And I'm looking at a map. I go, I guess the best way to do it is drive to Milwaukee. That was the fastest way. It's actually go down Route 41. Route yeah. 41, you know, goes all the way up through Marquette. Sure. So that's what I did. That was a 425-mile drive. And I was praying for a cop to stop me. <laughs> that way you get an escort, right? <laughs> yeah, yeah, like maybe I can get there faster. Never saw one. And I was speeding the whole way. You know? <laughs> but anyway, I mean... I didn't get home. First of all, I'm, I'm worried because there's danger of her being, you know, seven weeks premature. Yeah. I mean, she was less than three pounds when she was born. Wow. And so I'm worried about that. I'm praying like a son of a gun in the car. And, you know, I'm Catholic. So I'm saying rosary after rosary after rosary. That's probably keeping me awake. And I don't, I, I you know, I have to, the first flight I got out of, uh, Milwaukee, and there wasn't a direct flight from Milwaukee into Buffalo. I had to fly Milwaukee, Detroit. So I ended up getting a flight like at five in the morning or no, four thirty in the morning out of Milwaukee. That connects me to Detroit to that seven o'clock flight I was on for five before. So I get home. I mean, in the meantime, they had to do an emergency C-section. The patient was born before midnight. Yeah. Wow. You miss important things. And that's just, you know, sometimes it can't be helped. You don't plan on it. But, you know, when a baby wants to come, a baby wants to come. It doesn't matter where the hell you are. Yeah. And then you've got to have, you know, a spouse who is understanding of the complexities of the job and the demands of the job and so forth and other family members. It's it's huge. That's why I say it was my (laughs) ex-wife. That obviously, no, it's all right. That, that, that caused problems. Yeah. So, but you know, another story. And again, I was relating all these stories to, to, to Chris and, and Teddy, my daughter was a pretty good basketball player in, in high school. I mean, she wasn't like a, a D1 prospect because she wasn't tall enough, but she was a D2, D3 type prospect. Good mm-hmm. shooter, good, good handler, real good defensive player, real tenacious on defense. So, you know, basketball season is right in the heart of scouting season you got combine all-star games all this other stuff so i don't see her to junior year i don't see her play at all mm-hmm. you know so so get the playoff game can you get to the game i'll get to the game so i get a flight home i just told jerry jerry i'm going home i got to see my daughter play it's playoff game so and he said fine so i go home get there it was at niagara university she has three fouls in the first half on her. And so they got to pull her. And then 
they pull, pull her out for the rest of the first half. They put her in the beginning, and, and she's just playing so hard, probably playing hard to, to try to impress me. She fouls two more times, fouls out of the game. Just oh. destroyed her. Oh, no. <laughs> you know, so it, it's it's little things like that that yeah, yeah. You know, people don't understand that you're going to, that's going to happen to you. And at the same time, you've got a job to do and, and mm-hmm. they're paying you pretty darn good money to do it. And, and so you can't just take off whenever you want. Now, you know, now since that happened, there's different laws, there's maternity laws and maternity leave and things like that. But I don't know if, if maternity leave would even work in the NFL, especially yeah. in the personnel the business. They may say, yeah, you can take your maternity leave, but next year you'll have another job. Yeah. Thank you for the compliment, Randy. But yeah, it takes a special kind of uh, uh, a person to be able to handle the job of scouting, working in the NFL, the hours and so forth. And then that support system for that person is got to be in tuned and accepting of the complexities of the job. I know our buddy Jeff Willis is here, has been contemplating moving into the scouting profession. So hopefully uh, this chat has helped him. All right, let's talk about the breaking news that happened just minutes before we uh, went online here. And uh, thanks to Creighton to, uh, for pointing it out. So I was able to pull Adam Schefter's uh, report on Twitter. Um, I don't know if it's called Twitter anymore, by the way. But uh, another deal, Bears and tight end Cole Komet reached agreement on a four-year, $50 million extension, including $32.8 million guaranteed. That is, of course, is the big thing here. $32.8 million guaranteed and $20 million in new first-year cash uh, per me and Field Yates. So, uh, Greg, can you please explain to me what this means, first-year cash? And then also, is is Kokomet worth $32.8 million guaranteed? The guarantee is the guarantee. What it comes down to is the contract's $12.5 million a year, mm-hmm. you know, which I think is very fair. Very fair. I, I don't think there's one iota of they paid him too much. You know, mm-hmm. it's a very fair deal. It's player on the come. The new cash, me that's a signing bonus. Okay. Okay. It, it, it's the cash he's going to see in the first year of the contract. That's just another way of putting it. Yeah. Yeah. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, it's uh, to me, it's thrilling news, uh, Greg, because I really do believe in Cole Komet. I, you know, a lot of fans have been upset because they thought that he was going to be in a hundred yard pass catcher. And I know you've talked about this a number of times. One more time. Yes. (laughs) I was going to ask you to, because I was was reading some stuff the other day and, and, and they said, well, they, they don't have to re-sign. In fact, somebody was saying on, on Twitter, they don't have to re-sign Cole Komet. They could take Bowers from Georgia <laughs> in the first round. First of all, they're not going to take a tight end in the first round. I guarantee you they're taking an edge, but we'll get to that in a little mm-hmm. while. Mm-hmm. Uh, the But they don't you – know, Bowers and, and, and Komet don't play the same position. And this is right. what people don't understand. There is two tight end positions. And they should, the league should separate them. They don't. And actually no. for pay, they should separate them. Yes. But they don't. They they blend them together. You got a Y tight end. That's what Cole Komet is. And then you got mm-hmm. a move tight end. Now the move tight end could be a Y or not a Y. It could be an H, could be an F. Well, you know, 
however the team's offense wants to call that particular player. But in essence, he's a move tight end. Mm-hmm. Yeah, And the traits you're looking for from that play from those two players are entirely different. Right. You know, the move tight end is, is more of like a, you know, a big giant size wide receiver, mm-hmm. not a guy like Komet who lines up at the end of the line of scrimmage. And, and he, an important part of his job is blocking. Right. Yeah. Does the move guy got a block? Yeah. He's got a block, but He's blocking on the move. He's got a running start. Very seldom is he lined up in tight like Komet. There are plays that they do it, but mm-hmm. it's seldom when you look at the total play counts that they're in. And you look at, you know, they, they signed Robert Tanyan to be the move tight end this year, played with Green Bay. You know, he's 240 pounds. An entirely mm-hmm. different frame, different shape. He ran like a four five eight when he was coming out of uh, – Indiana State, different type of player, and people just want to keep bunching them together, and you can't. Right. It's if you want to call it tight end A, tight end B, do it that, but they are totally separate positions. Yeah, and I and that's not to say that on certain plays, Cole Komet won't play that why that move tight end position. Uh, because they want guys to be versatile. They want to keep the defense guessing who's, you know, who's the why, who's this, who's that. They, they want to make it complex. But for the most part, Cole Komet is a blocking inline tight end who can pass catch. That's that's probably a, a very simple way to put it for fans to truly understand. I get upset. You know, now when fans complain that he dropped the pass and so forth, I understand that. That's those are legitimate complaints, but you know, when if you're looking at the stat line on a game where he was asked to pass block 90% of the time because the the opposing team's pass rush was so strong, you need to account for that if he's got a stat line of only two catches for 13 yards or something like that. So it, it takes some, you know, studying to really evaluate Cole Komet. I see that Don Burr, our resident Detroit Lions uh, nemesis fan uh, here. <laughs> he's he's saying this is a terrible deal. It's taken him too long to develop and blah, blah, blah. Why? Um, yeah, that, 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 Don, sorry, but that's a ridiculous statement. Yes, you know, totally ridiculous statement. You know, I mean, he first year... I, I don't get it with, with Nagy going back mm-hmm. because when guys are ready to play, he didn't play them. Mm-hmm. You can say that about Justin Fields. You can say it about Cole Komet. You know, he, he had a play Jimmy Graham mm-hmm. or, or whatever. And Jimmy Graham was a move tight end. So it's so his numbers that year weren't that good. Mm-hmm. The second year, they went up to 60 catches. That's right. Which, you know, for a tight end, and don't compare them to a most tight end who's catching 75 or 80. Mm-hmm. Yep. Because Indeed. that's not his job. It has nothing to do with development. Mm-hmm. Kittle cannot do what Cole Komet does. Very, very. Does that is fascinating that you put that? Say that again. <laughs> Kittle cannot do what Cole Komet does, and Cole Komet can't do what Kittle does. 
Why? They play two separate positions. Love it. Love it. And while we're on the topic, uh, you know, the running backs, uh, somebody posted on Twitter, uh, you know, running backs are probably, you know, upset that they're seeing Cole Komet being signed for this kind of money. And then you said, you know, they should, the NFL should probably differentiate between the tight ends for salary purposes and other purposes. I think the same thing can be said about the running back position because you've got some running backs who, are, in terms of total yards, lead the league because they're pass catchers and running backs. And that's kind of, That should be its own special position now, don't you think? No, that part I disagree with you. Okay. I mean, running back is a running back. Looks like a running back, smells like a running back is a running back. <laughs> okay. Here's the thing with running backs, and history has proven this, and, and the Bears roster's full of them. Mm -hmm. You can get damn good running backs on day three, mm -hmm. and it happens all the time. You can get damn good running backs as an as a undrafted free agent. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. They're all over the place. Yeah. And seldom now, there's a few like Henry down in Tennessee that are real bell cows. The guy who, who used to run for 1,500 yards and carry the ball 20, 25 times a game. Right. They don't want to do that. One of the reasons is a running back has a very short shelf life. Yep. Those legs are only taking so many hits. And you don't know what it is. And if you look when a running back starts to, to go downhill, like an offensive tackle, a wide receiver, even a defensive lineman, when they start going downhill, it's a very gradual decline. Mm -hmm. And a lot of times, you know, the coaches will see it, but the fans won't see it. Okay, with a running back, it's like falling off a cliff. Boom! Yeah. He can be great one year and totally awful the next year. Because mm -hmm. once, the, once you lose – a little something in your legs, it's all over. Yeah. And so between that and teams using two and three backs in the system now, mm -hmm. you know, running back by committee, and you try to mix up the skill set. So there's a complement between player A and player B and maybe player C. They all got different strong points. And, and that, in essence, helps the offense – but at the same time, because you don't have the guy that has that play every down type ability, mm -hmm. they don't deserve to get paid that way. Yeah. You know, yeah. and, and very, you, you look how many running backs end up hitting a home run in a second contract. I'm going to tell you the guy, and I was shocked at the money he got. You know what the highest paid second contract was this year in free agency? No. Montgomery. Oh, really? And that shocked me. Wow. And the guy that he replaced in Detroit, who was a pretty damn good running back, mm -hmm. he got less than half of what Monty got. Wow. In New Orleans. I'm shocked by that. Uh, but here's here's my point regarding running backs and salaries. Take a look at these are the total yards leader. I know this type is very small, uh, but yeah, I Josh, yeah, Josh Jacobs, old eyes here. <laughs> Josh Jacobs, Derrick Henry, Christian McCaffrey were the top three total yards getters in the NFL. Justin Jefferson, Tyreek Hill, two wide receivers followed. Then Nick Chubb, Saquon Barkley, Austin Eckler. 
Raheem Moster, Isaiah Pacheco, Aaron Jones, Devonte Adams. So you've got three wide receivers in the top 11 total yard getters, and these guys are being vastly underpaid in comparison to what wide receivers are now getting. Um, true, but again, you know, like they say, Isaiah Pacheco's in there. He's a seventh round pick. <laughs> I okay, know. It goes back. Yeah. <laughs> What's he going to be like four years from now? Uh-huh. Okay. It's it's the wear and the tear. It, it's it used to be a hot position. Okay, the year we took said Benson, mm-hmm. which was two thousand six. Mm-hmm. No, two thousand five. Okay, and three running backs went in the top five. Mm-hmm. Do you see that happen again? No. One time since then, and that was almost 20 years ago. Yeah. Have three running backs gone high, and I think that was like three years later. And it's their, you call it value of the position. The value of the position has gone down. And it's not that the guy's not a talented player, like, you know, Saquon Barkley is a talented player. But don't forget, Saquon Barkley also had a torn ACL mm-hmm. and missed a shitload of times over a two-year period. You know, and and that's why, because you don't, when you get that catastrophic injury, now he came back well, but he it took him his second year back mm-hmm. to really even look close to what he was before the injury. Yeah. And, you know, who want, who knows with a running back if he's ever going to be the same player? So that, that, that's what it's all about. I get it. Is it fair? Probably not. But it is what it is, and it ain't changing. It's not. Uh, Jeff Willis, back to the Cole Komet topic, uh, wants to know, Greg, do you see Komet's extension as tied to his production so far, how they expect him to continue to extend? Uh, or a combination thereof. Combination. Yeah. They like what they've seen. They like the person. They like his football character. They like his, his leadership in the locker room. He is a huge help to the ground game, which is a big part of this offense. And he gets better every year as a pass receiver. He's a freaking load to bring down now. You could bring him, you know, Put a highlight tape of him last year with some of those catches he had. You know, it, 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 some of them reminded me. We had Bar- Mark Bavaro when I was with the Giants. Mm-hmm. We drafted in uh, 1985. And, you know, he's got a little Bavaro to him. Mm-hmm. He does. He does. Um, Mike Ibsen asked. Ironically, the same school, Notre Dame. Oh, look at that. Uh, Mark, Mike asks, uh, I always thought that Komet should model his game after Jason Witten. People talking about Kelsey or these faster tight ends, that's crazy, as, as Greg has been saying. Witten was super effective for a long time in this league. I, I think Mike makes a good point there. What do you think? Well, it's a good point, but in fairness, mm-hmm. and I'm not – well, I guess I'm arguing the point a little bit. A little bit different era. Granted, Witten – has only been out of the league a few years. He's got out for a year, went back, and then retired again. But when he started out, mm-hmm. the move tight end wasn't a big deal. 
which now it is. Right. Okay. So, and he he was like a combo of the two. And you know, I'd have to go back and and look at Witten's numbers, what they were. I'm talking height, weight, speed type numbers. You know what mm-hmm. he was athletically. I don't, you know, I don't recall what they were. Uh, but he played in the league a long time. You know, so I mean, we're, we're talking a guy that was drafted what 2005 somewhere along in that area mm-hmm. you know you, you could look it up if you want but it, it, I, I mean it was a while ago because he played about 15 freaking years yeah he was a tough sob there's no doubt about it um a lot of people are now wondering about uh darnell mooney and so uh, lee asked now that Komet got paid do you think mooney gets his back that is kind of a conundrum for lack of a better word that uh, Ryan Pace is facing because he's probably oh, not Ryan going Pulse. Ryan Pace. Excuse me. Bro. I yeah. did it again. I did it again. Uh, he's probably not going to pay Chase Claypool and Darnell Mooney. Probably. I, you know, I, I can't answer that. Who knows? Yeah. And I think I, they like him. Justin Fields loves him. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Yes, he does. But they also drafted a, a clone, so to speak, in Scott. Okay, and the Claypool's up for an, an, an extension too because he's going into his final year of the contract, and so is Jalen Johnson. Mm-hmm. You know, so there's there's people they got to take care of. They got the money to do it. Uh, <coughs> excuse me. <clears throat> we'll just have to see how it works out. Mm-hmm. You know, they're gonna some they're gonna. Like a Moody's case, and I'm—I I'm, admit I'm—I'm I'm throwing a dart at the wall here. He got hurt. I'm sure they want to see exactly how he comes back. And now, when you've got Claypool play, playing the X and DJ Moore playing the Z position, you know Mooney's going to be more of your your slot guy. Mm-hmm. What you know? What's his production going to be? Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. versus the other two, you would think in that offense. If you look, if you use Green Bay, and and that's where Getsy came from, Adams was the Z wide receiver, and the the X wide receiver was always a big guy. You had um, Valdez Scantling. And what the hell is the other guy's name from Iowa State um, who just went to the Jets? They him, you know, big six foot five guys like Cometas playing the X position. Uh, they could block, they were athletic, but it, it's, you know, a totally different kind of guy. You want that Z guy to, to use Ryan Pohl's term, they want a separator, they want the route runner who consistently gets separation. Now, Mooney can do that, but he's not as big. You know, DJ Moore's a lot bigger than than Mooney is. DJ Moore's 210 pounds. Mm-hmm. Nick uh, reminds us it's Lazard. Lazard, yeah, El Lazard. But if you look at Valdez, Scantling, Lazard, the people that were before them playing that X position, X, uh, position for Green Bay, it's, it's Chase Claypool. That's why they went out and traded for Chase Claypool, because you had to have that big guy to play the X. That's what yeah. they're looking for. 
Mm-hmm. You know, we go back, we talk about profiles for positions. Yep. That's the profile for the position in this particular offense. Mm-hmm. Uh, Bear Truth 9 has a uh, great question here. That bonus money, that $20 million, when does that take into effect? Is that this year or next year? Uh, probably have a check in five days. <laughs> Holy cow. I mean, you get, when, you, when you get a signing bonus, you get that check right away. Right away. So okay, you, now I, I'll clarify that. Okay. You get the check after the contract clears the league office. Gotcha. So the contract goes in, and once the league office approves the contract, then you get paid your bonus money. Unless there's mm-hmm. something they call paragraph five, unless there's something written in it that the bonus will be paid X amount a day. But usually it's a signing bonus. Mm-hmm. Now, there, you know, so you get that money. Now it's spread out over the extension. It's really spread out over part of this year and the next four years because mm-hmm. it's a, he's in the final year of his contract. So it, 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 it's like the contract that Herbert got yesterday. You know, they're making it sound like it's a five-year contract. No, it wasn't. It was a seven-year contract. Because he had this year the option for next year that they pick up and then five more years. Oh, okay. Yeah, so it was, the addi- it was the additional five, but he got some new money this year from the signing bonus. Mm-hmm. So a lot of people are wondering now, you know, if it's not Mooney, uh, who could – uh, next see an extension. Do you think that Jalen Johnson, the cornerback, might be on the table here for an extension soon? You know, I, I'll be honest. I don't know. I, yeah. It's how they feel about each individual player and yeah. his importance to the team. Now, you know, to look at the edit from the contrary side on uh, Jalen, He's drafted two corners in the second round. Now, granted, one to be a, a slot corner mm-hmm. and, and the other one to be outside. But you better have two good outside corners. Indeed. And, you know, so I would think they'd want to keep Jalen. Do they want to keep him at the same money that Diggs got yesterday? I'd say not even close. And the reason being is look up what's Jalen Johnson's total interception total. I know what Diggs is. It's 17. Right. Yeah, I think it's one or two or three. (laughs) Yeah, yeah. so he doesn't have the pick numbers. Now, obviously, the agent's going to want it, and he's going to deserve money, but I don't don't think he's going to get that kind of money. Yeah, and Jalen was drafted before Diggs, and so that's probably uh, they're in the same they're in the same draft, and the difference is like eight picks, two or three, yeah, something like that. So, you know, it's going to be a fascinating thing. I think my guess, Greg, is that they're not going to try to re-sign Jalen until late in the season. Um, if at all, they might want him to test free agency to see what his market value is. Well, I'm going to tell you what, free, depending, it's going to depend on what the corner class is. Yeah. Yeah. If the corner class isn't strong, you're going mm-hmm. to get paid. Mm. It's real simple. Yeah. It's uh, it's going to be an interesting to follow. Maybe we can talk about that a little bit more uh, next week. I'll do some research on what the cornerback class, free agency corners are going to look no, like. Not just not necessarily free agency, but what the what what's the draft? The draft. 
Uh, you yes. know, and, and it's really too early to say. Mm-hmm. <coughs> Excuse me. <coughs> I told you I'm having a problem with my lungs this week. Yeah, that so, air quality um, is awful, so uh, that's why I'm Anyway, sure. uh, that free agency is going to have something to do with it. The draft is going to have something to do with it. Mm-hmm. But he's a young player. Don't forget, he's like a 20-year-old rookie or a 21-year-old rookie. He's still young. Mm-hmm. And so he, he's going to get paid. It's, you know, could end up, you could put a, do what the, the Bears did with Kyle Fuller and put a transition tag on him with right. the full intention of, of matching that transition tag. And players hate being tagged because even though it's guaranteed, the, the day they sign the contract, it's guaranteed. Mm-hmm. Even if you get hurt the first game, you're getting paid every, excuse me, you're getting paid every penny. Mm-hmm. But even if you get cut, you're getting paid every penny. It's guaranteed, totally guaranteed. But they want that signing bonus. And so they want the multi-year deal. Want that money. Uh, John asked a great question. This is something that I've been talking about or th- and thinking about for quite some time. He asked you, when the front office is looking at cap space, how many years are those capologists looking ahead? So are they planning for, okay, this is probably what the salary cap is going to look like in 2024, 2025, 2026. Here's our obligations in terms of salary through those years and so forth. How far ahead are they looking uh, to plan the roster? It's a good question. And I'm not a a cap guru. Mm -hmm. You know, I know a little. I know enough to be dangerous. The, but there is every December, there's a league meeting. It's almost always in Dallas. And part of that meeting is all the salary cap people, contract negotiators are at that the meeting. They're having their own meeting. Mm-hmm. And the league management council is working with them and they're giving them what they project to be the cap for the following year. And then another couple of years going out based on what they anticipate, you know, what, what, what the revenues are. Generally, it's always a little bit more. They're, they're a little bit uh, conservative with their outlook, but the teams have a pretty good idea of what the numbers are going to be next year, the year after and the year after. So at least three years out. Outstanding. All right. Triple R wants to know, Greg, why don't you try switching from flower marijuana to edibles to help your lungs? <laughs> Go ahead. Flip them. I, <laughs> I wouldn't attempt to smoke anything. Okay. I got, I got to explain this. I got, and I don't know where I got it, but I came back when I came back from DC mm-hmm. And with the, with the XFL, yes, in, in March of 2020, I had a cough, and at that time, everybody thought, Oh, COVID, mm-hmm. it wasn't COVID, and I was tested probably a half a dozen times, and it got progressively worse. Mm-hmm. So, this is before we, we started doing our show by a few months, okay, but. You know, I saw different doctors. I, um, you know, my doctor was the, the Bears internist is uh, 
you know, he was like the lead guy. He would send me to different specialists. I couldn't find out what the hell it was. And, and finally, I had this procedure done where they took fluid out of my lungs and, you know, examined it. And I had a rare bacterial bacteria infection mm-hmm. in my lungs. And how it got there, I don't know. I got my suspicions, but I don't know. But it's never going away. Yeah. Wow. Okay. So it's there. I got a, I'm on an antibiotic for the rest of my life. But there's times, and like the last couple of weeks, it just gets worse, you know, or, or, or you know, it, it just, I struggle with it, I guess is the best way of putting it because I'm coughing more. I got a shortness of breath. Um, I'm still going to the gym every day, but I can't do cardio like I used to do cardio. Yeah. You know, so I, I struggle doing that. But hey, you know, like the, the money for the running backs. It is what it is. You know, mm-hmm. I'm, I'm alive. I can do what I want to do. Some days it's a little harder than other days, but licorice tea. Are you freaking kidding? <laughs> First of all, I don't like tea, but, um, you do, know, do you I, like licorice? No, no, it actually helps a little bit. Uh, uh, like a shot of whiskey, um, you know, around five o'clock, six o'clock. Now you're talking my language. <laughs> bourbon. I haven't tried scotch to see if that. Oh, uh, yeah. Stick with like, the bourbon. You know, cough, cough medicine. Uh, Evie says she really is not kidding at all. Licorice tea is great for the lungs. You should give it a try. You know, it's probably going to taste good. I don't know. I don't if like it's tea, licorice. It, yeah, I mean, I like licorice, but. You know, black liquors taste different than cherry liquors. I mean, <laughs> I'd have the cherry, but yeah. Uh, and Evie uh, tells us that the Bears are Peskov is going to start uh, not too far from now. So I want to get this in before we lose some of our viewers to the press conference. Although you should just stay with us, we're going to be much more entertaining than bringing it's out. On, it's on. I watch the press conferences after they're over, so I can keep repeating stuff I want to hear. Yeah, exactly. And like, fast you know, I, they're on Twitter and and. Five minutes after it's over, you can get the whole thing. And if Indeed. you want to hear something over, you just Indeed. slide it back a little bit. And we'll cover it all tomorrow night on the uh, Greg, excuse me, the Dan and Aldo show. But I want to get to yesterday's press conference. Ryan Poles made a, an appearance, and it's always interesting to hear him. And I got to tell you, first of all, he looked much more relaxed and comfortable talking to the media than in previous uh, probably times. Probably sleep in the office, right? <laughs> That's right. Probably got a good night's sleep. I think he's just getting comfortable with the job and that part of presenting to the media. And so a great question here was asked, I, I forgot the name of the reporter, but he asked, what are expectations for yourself, Ryan Poles, in 2023? And his answer here is one that all Bears fans should memorize. Yeah, I think that's sticking to the plan. Um, when you look at the big picture, building through the draft, um, supplementing through free agency, you know, I, I think making sure that your decisions that you're making are sound for where we are right now and not putting us in a situation where it damages some of the work that we've done and, and, and the path that we've kind of set up for ourselves moving forward. So really manage those two and it's it is difficult sometimes. You want you want everything right now, trust me. Like you really do. Um, 
but you got to make sure that you're making sound decisions so that you can stay healthy and stay in a position to sustain success over a long period of time. Right, right. Greg, I mean, that response to me is a GM 101, but also it, it should be a placard on every Bears fan's home, you know, for sticking to the plan, you know, continuity. It's it's the recipe for sustainable success. And fans who want to sign Josh Jacobs now are out of their minds. <laughs> just out of why, their just minds. Out of, why would you want to sign Josh Jacobs? You've got a good running back room. Why? Why? Why do you need him? Yeah, it doesn't make sense. I, it, it, it really. I mean, he, he's not upgrading you very much at all, if if at all. Mm-hmm. You know, the, the the running back group the Bears have is pretty damn good now. Mm-hmm. I yeah, I match it up against anybody in the league. Do you have Henry? No. So what? But you've got mm-hmm. guys who are all different kinds of skill sets that are pretty darn good players. The the thing that sticks out with that comment, and I like it because it, it, it is hard to adhere to a plan. You got to, you do got to keep reminding yourself, you know, because you can get excited. And he said some other things that w- weren't in that clip too about, you know, somebody asked about bringing in an older player. And I'm reading between the lines here. He did, you know, I, he says, I don't, have a problem with doing that, but I don't want it to take away from the big picture, meaning the overall plan. So what did, what what does that say reading between the lines? It says I'll give an older guy a one-year deal right. if he's going to help us now, but I'm not going to give him a multi-year contract because there's guys I got to take care of. Mm-hmm. And if you look at the way he's drafted, he's drafting premium positions. Mm-hmm. with the premium draft picks, okay? And that's how he wants to build his team. People are like, people are going to say, oh, Bowers, they might be able to get Bowers next year. It's not happening, especially after they just re-signed Komet, but it wasn't happening before. If you look at the big main position that he hasn't drafted yet, it's edge. Right. And I'm sure he wanted to draft one this past April, but if you look at how the draft fell, by the time they got to that pick in the second round, they didn't, there wasn't any available. They were gone. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. You know, and, and that's the way it falls. So they took two defensive tackles. They chore up the defensive tackle position. And you've got – and you brought in a free agent who's still young enough to uh, produce and be a hell of a run stopper. So now – and it helps. For, and, and remember this, this has a lot to do with how you manage your cap. I'm going to say next year they're drafting two defensive ends high. And now you keep, you're bringing premium round players into uh, drafting premium position players in the premium rounds. Right. That's kind yeah. of hard. That's a tongue twister. Kind <laughs> of <thing. laughs> but, and, and, but you're spreading it out a little bit because you're doing a little bit each year and it helps your calf situation. So now you've got, now just think about this. You've got next year, let's say I'm correct. And they draft, I'm not saying two number ones, but I'm saying two out of the first three are going to be defensive ends. You're going to have a whole defensive line that's in the first or second year. And, and you've got, what are the two premium positions 
on the offensive line, the two tackle positions. You got a second-year guy and a rookie. If they're doing it's that's his plan. It's it's, it's real simple to, to look at. All you got to do is you know just open your eyes and see it. It's yeah. really really plain. Yep. And, and frankly, I think you know the plan. You know you can apply that to like all aspects of life when you're planning out your life, your 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 monthly budget, you know, your your vacations and stuff. If you take that approach of okay, just let's just do what we can, then you'll stay out of debt, you'll stay out of trouble, you know. It's it's to me it's just I was really struck by how he laid that out there. I thought it was perfectly said. Now another thing that struck me was when he was asked about acquiring a defensive end. You know, he had been talking talking about it openly uh, to the media uh, in the months prior. Uh, and so he was asked about it yesterday. This is his response. I actually conjoined, uh, two different sound bites here. See, there's no certainty of it takes, you know, two to make sure that it, it works out. Um, so there's a level of patience that comes with it. So there's no guarantee. Uh, if not, no, I'm excited about the guys that are here. Um, Walker's done a great job. Robinson's coming along. Gibson's coming along. So that's another beautiful thing about this game is, you know, everything right now is on paper, but there's guys that we have high expectations for that are on our football team that we hope to develop and, and take that role. Uh, but at the same time, we're always going to search to improve our roster. So if, if it's a defensive end or any position that we think can enhance our team, we're going to stay after them and, and stay engaged and see if we can improve our, our team that way. There you go. I mean, uh, it takes two to tango, right, Greg? That, that was the key word. It takes two. In fact, I, I had tweeted that out a couple times in the last couple of weeks. You can't make a deal unless the other side wants to make a deal with you. Right. Okay. It's not, you know, people are, well, you got the money, pay him. No, it doesn't mm. work that way. He has got a figure in his head. And, and a lot of this is Cliff Stein too, with all the research Cliff does, but it's okay. Look at it. If we sign Yannick and this is what he is worth to us. And this is the maximum we're going to pay him. Right. Okay. And <laughs> until they get to that figure, they aren't going to, they're not going to overpay. It's the same thing in free eight when they were in free agency. There's players that they liked that they would have liked to sign. They walked away from because the mm-hmm. price got too high. McGlinchey was one. And as it turns out, probably for better. You know, they, they didn't mind paying the average McGlinchey got. They, looked at the signing bonus and said, no freaking way. <laughs> because then you got, if yeah. he doesn't work out, you get a lot of dead money because of that big mm-hmm. signing bonus. So and then it turns around, you know, they, they draft right. Who probably going to be a better damn player anyway. And mm-hmm. he's seven, eight years younger, you know? So, you know, I, 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 I get, I totally get what he's trying to do. And the first, when he was talking about age, the first player I thought about was Justin Houston. Mm-hmm. Okay. Polls knows him well from the days in Kansas City when he was a all-pro defensive end. Flus knows him well. He played for Flus for two years in Indianapolis and averaged, I think, nine sacks, nine and a half sacks the two years there. And last year, we were lucky, played 44% of the downs and still had nine and a half sacks. So his production per the play time was actually excellent. Mm-hmm. You know, so 
And what he's going to cost, he's going to cost less than half of what Ngakwe is going to cost. Yeah. Yeah. You know, so Ngakwe, I figure it's got to cost $8 million at least. Not, I don't think they'd go eight and a half. Eight to eight and a half is what it's going to be. Looking at, at different contracts that people got. Of Dwayne Smoot, he doesn't have the, the sack reduction. I'll give you an interesting stat. We might have said this before. And Gakwe is one of only six or seven players in the history of the league that have eight sacks in their first seven, every year of the first seven years of the league. Whoa. Minimum eight sacks. Yeah. That's impressive. He's got, he's got consistency year after year after year that, like I said, there's only six or seven players in the league that have ever had that consistency. So that is worth something. People think he's a one-trick pony. That's not true because if you look at his playtime, his playtime is averaged better than 70% of the defensive snaps throughout his career. Mm-hmm. I think he's only had one year where he was under 70. Um, the, But then you said Justin Houston, last year he, he played for total over the last two years, like $6 million bucks or something. Mm-hmm. You know, total. So you got to say, okay, we can get him three, three and a half million. What's he worth in the locker room? Because that's going to play into it too. Good point. And and so, I mean, personally, I'd rather have the younger guy. But when you know that they're, hey, no matter who they sign of these two, it's a one-year deal. And they're going to be gone next year because they're going to replace them right. with draft choices. Now to get to the other thing, <clears throat> you know, I mentioned they got high expectations. Let's take Walker first. Okay. And Walker's been posting a bunch of videos on Instagram and stuff. Mm-hmm. I don't know if you've seen them, but yeah, it looks like he's trimmed down. He played at about 275. Now, what you see in the media guide and what they really are are often two different things. They don't always put the real weight, but they got the real weight. And those players had a reporting weight. When they came in yesterday, they had, and I, we've talked about this before, but I'll, I'll reiterate it. You've got two things you had to meet. A weight, a, a certain weight, and a certain percentage of body fat. Mm-hmm. Now, there is a little give and take. If you're heavier, but you meet the body fat requirement, you're good. Mm-hmm. Okay. But if you're heavier and you don't meet the body fat requirement, that costs you money now. You can find on a daily basis for being overweight. So it, it's, you know, it, it's important. And, you know, for the guys that are, some of they're drastically overweight, they won't. They won't have him pass, they won't let him pass the physical. Mm-hmm. And you know he's going to be gone. You know, that wasn't the case here with anybody, but I've seen it in, in other years that happens. They they hold him out if they, they they think he might, you know, he could get hurt or something, then you're stuck paying him for the whole year. Right. You know, uh back to Ndakwe here. I I did a little research and 
looked at some of the interviews he's done uh, since the end of the season. And one of the things that really struck me is, yes, he wanted to play for a contender, although now he has changed that and says, I just <laughs> want to go to a team. Want to play. He wants a job. <laughs> exactly. But one of the things that he is really focused on, he wants a multi-year contract. Because he has said, I want to settle down in the city, start to raise a family, start to settle down. That's really important to me. And perhaps that's why he hired Drew Rosenhaus to get him that multi-year contract. Now, you know a lot of agents in this league. Uh, how would you describe Drew Rosenhaus as an agent? You know, Big Z said it real well when we had Big Z. He's a deal maker. Mm-hmm. He's not a hard guy to get along with. He's um, he, he wants to make deals, but he, he wants to make a, a fair deal. Mm-hmm. But he knows where it's eventually going to go to. He, and, and granted, <coughs> excuse me, mm-hmm. the kid can say, hey, I want a two-year deal. Right now, we're getting there August 1st. <clears throat> I don't think a multi-year deal is on the table anywhere. Hmm, interesting. Okay, I, I could it? Yeah, it could be. But when's the last time you saw a guy off the street get a multi-year deal in the end of July, beginning August? Besides, no, I can't think of any. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm sure there, there probably are. I just cannot. Sure. You know, think of any right now. So now, could you get of a guy, a veteran who gets cut? And he, because he's a vested veteran, he immediately becomes a free agent. Mm-hmm. And you like that guy. Could you give that guy a multi-year deal? Yeah, you could do that, but it's a different situation. It's unlikely, it's unlikely that our productive edge rusher is going to be available like that. I can't, you know, to your example, just there, though, Mark Slauson, who was cut by the Green Bay Packers and then was signed by the Chicago Bears to a multi-year contract to help solidify that offensive line. This is what some 10 years ago. That's that's a perfect example. Yeah, but there isn't going to be a quality edge rusher. The only one that the only quality edge rushers that I see foresee being available are Houston and Indakwe. And so I, a quick question for you, uh, Greg. Um, could the Bears perhaps do a creative approach if he wants a multi-year contract, just front load a two or three year contract for Indakwe with an easy out after one year. You know, it's funny because I texted a, a guy that is real familiar with contracts. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. And when we get off the show, I'll tell you who just the other day and basically asked that question. Okay. You know, ba- you know, basically worded it. Could you do a one year deal in basketball? You see a lot of deals with, a, with a option for the second year. Mm-hmm. And the option could be the player's option, the team's option, or both mm-hmm. for the next year. Uh-huh. And this guy said, well, yeah, technically you can do it, but nobody's going to. You might do it for a, a three- or four-year deal, but you're not going to do it. Because if the guy doesn't produce, you're not going to bring him back anyway. Yeah, right, right. Well, a lot of decisions to be made, uh, but we know that Ryan Poles. Well, is- I want to get back to one other thing, though, because he brought up, you know, they got expectations for some guys. Yes, great. And and those are, in particular, Gibson and uh, Dominic Robinson. Mm-hmm. I, I watched a video of, of Robinson, and he is, to me anyway, to my eye, looks stronger, mm-hmm. bigger in the lower body. 
and really moves around well. Now, he's going into his second year, and he should take a jump. And it was interesting is that in this video, and it was like a 25-minute video, and it wasn't put out by the Bears, that John, John says, I bet Greg's contract guy's first name is Cliff. <laughs> don't, don't count on it. <laughs> a good poker face there. <laughs> so, just uh, kidding. Just kidding. The I lost my train of thought because of that. <laughs> no, but anyway, he, he, he w- was talking about, you know, what he wants to do. And he said, you know, the league year opened last year. Mm-hmm. And he goes against San Francisco. And he goes, I have one and a half sacks in the first game. And he goes, one of the sacks was against the best tackle in football. And the other one was against McGlinchey. And he goes, I'm thinking this is going to be easy. You know, and he goes, I didn't get any the rest of the year. <laughs> and That's right. he said around mid-season, it just hit him. He goes, I got to ask more questions. I, I got to ask why. Yeah. You know, and, and, and he basically, lack of a better term, tore himself down. Mm. And, you know, went to the coaching staff. What am I doing wrong? And, he, and what he said, and I'd have to go back and look. He said, would you look at the tape? He goes, I didn't get any sacks. But from a fundamental technique point of view, he said the last three games of the year were the best three games I played all season. Interesting. Okay. Got to, um, let's, let's go back and take a look at those. I will. And I'm sure some other members of the bar room team will do that as well. Um, but he means some of the, like setting the edge, playing the run, right? doing everything right, using his hands, you know, everything, the whole gamut. And, mm-hmm. but, he, but he's ready to play. And, and you know, he t- part of this, he was talking about his evolution from, you know, going from receiver to defensive end. And don't forget, this now will be his, just his fourth year mm-hmm. playing on the defensive side of the ball. Mm-hmm. Jeff says uh, he thinks Robinson will take a big step, but he's not quite as sure about Gibson. He's worried he may not have the athleticism for the position. What are your thoughts, Greg? Oh, I think he's plenty athletic. I, you know, he just you expected so much more last year because he had seven sacks, but then he he also had the leading sacker in the league on the other side, and and so they're concentrating on stopping. And, and, you know, Khalil Mack was out the second half of the year. So you're, you're concentrating on stopping Quinn. Mm-hmm. And he's left in one-on-one situations. And they did some flip-flopping, you know, in that situation. So he's playing both sides. And obviously a different scheme. You know, he's playing on his feet instead of with his hand in the dirt. But when you look at the numbers, he, he, he's plenty athletic. I don't know if he was quite strong enough mm-hmm, still mm-hmm. and the hand use has to improve. People don't look at hand use as much as they should, but for pass rushers, it's very, very, very important. And also being able to bend is very, very important. Huge. 
Huge. All right, uh, we're going to switch gears here. Throughout uh, the last several GTF, we've been doing positional breakdowns, and Greg has been supplying us with his thoughts on the players that the Bears have at camp, uh, position by position. The final group that we have uh, is the wide receiver group. We have not done them yet, so we're going to take some of these players one by one, and we'll start, of course, with the number one wide receiver, DJ Moore. Greg, what does DJ Moore bring to the Chicago Bears? What are his strengths and and what are his weaknesses too? What uh, might you be concerned about? I wrote this in a report on a player years ago on the Pro Football Weekly thing, Uh you know, draft guide. And I forgot who the player was. It was a defensive lineman. And, you know, and I wrote his strengths in it and it said weaknesses. It said he doesn't have a twin brother. And <laughs> love it. <laughs> I don't know. And I've seen I, I did DJ Moore when he came out. Really mm-hmm. liked him. Mm-hmm. And he had actually played better in the pros early than I ever would expect it. I mean, he he really set the world on fire as, as a rookie down in Carolina. Mm-hmm. He's capable of playing all three wide receiver positions that he will more than likely be the Z receiver here. And what the Z receiver means is you're the, you know, for if you're in a two wide receiver set, the X is on the line of scrimmage. The Z is the, the old flanker. Right. right. And, and in, in this particular offense, they want a big long guy at the X and that's Chase Claypool, which we're talking about before. And they want a guy who can separate good route runner who can separate B the Z. And that's exactly what DJ does. Mm -hmm. He's got ideal size. He's six feet tall. He's 210 pounds. I mean, he's actually built like a smaller running back. He's put together. Mm -hmm. And if you watch his tape when he's got the ball in his hands, he runs hard. Now he's, he's not an easy guy to tackle. Right. Uh, he's got a lot of speed. He ran a four four two coming out, but not only did he run a four four two, he had like a I might be an inch off here, like a forty inch vertical jump, and real long standing long jump too. And those all correlate. Generally speaking, if a guy runs fast, he jumps well. Right. Occasionally, you're going to see a guy run fast who doesn't jump good. And and to me, that's a little bit of a red flag because he's just he's got speed, but he's not explosive. Uh-huh. Well, in the case of DJ, he's got speed and he's explosive because those jumps are are what measure your explosiveness. And his jumps are they're not good. They're outstanding. Mm-hmm. So he, he can get off the jam. He's a good route runner. He catches, he's a hand catcher. He's got a large receiving radius, good runner, excuse me, good runner after the catch. And it's, uh, I think it's the whole package. You know, he's he's probably the uh, best receiver they've had here since Elfine Jeffrey. Mm. And, you know, they, they had a pretty good receiver tandem back then. And this one I think can be, you know, they had Marshall and and, and uh, Alshon. This one, not as big as those guys, but I think it can be equally as productive. Mm-hmm. 
And Greg, uh, what do you say to people who claim or contend that DJ Moore is really not a number one wide receiver in the NFL? Well, you know, we, we went through this a few weeks ago. We said that and said, well, he's not Stephon Diggs. And then remember, we put up the numbers yep. from Stephon Diggs' first five years in Minnesota versus and who he had a quarterback versus DJ Moore's first five years of Carolina and who he had a quarterback, and they're identical. <laughs> so why isn't he a number one? Yeah. You know, and just look, look at his production. His production has been outstanding. And he only had a quarterback for his first year and a half. Right, exactly. Got to account for all those uh, little things. Um, all right, L number two in the depth chart, I'm going to say it's Darnell Mooney. So Darnell Mooney, a lot of people hoping that he will get a contract extension. But what uh, what are his strengths in this offense? What should be the expectations we should see out of Darnell Mooney, who is now entering his Fourth year with the with the team. The only weakness he had, and I and I emphasize had, mm -hmm. was his body. Yep, he was a tiny little guy. Well, he sure as hell doesn't look like a tiny little guy now. He looks like he put on at least ten pounds, and good a good ten pounds. All muscle, yeah, yeah. So I mean. He's cut up. Who knows? You know, you probably still have him listed as 178 in the in the program, but he's probably closer to 185, 187. He's put together. Mm -hmm. He's got long arms for a guy that's just over 5'10. He can run. I mean, he's a, he's a sub 4'4 guy, and he can jump. He's a very good route runner. Not a good, very good. And his catch radius is enormous. Now, I think what they're going to do, I think in your base sets when you're, when you're playing three wide, he's going to be your, your slot. But I also think, depending on matchups, that you'll see them mix and match between DJ and Darnell as far as who's going to be the slot and who's going to be the uh, – the Z. So you might see times when the, when they when Darnell's playing the Z and and Moore is playing in at the slot, and some of it may have to do with what I said matchups and how the Bears' offensive coaches look at the capability of the slot corner on the opponent because mm -hmm. you want to you know if you can get a mismatch, put your best receiver on their weakest. Mm -hmm. And sometimes, and some teams, the slot corner is the weakest, um, weakest of the of the starters. So I think you're going to see that. And then, you know, the other guy, as we've said, the X receiver is going to be Claypool, right? And you know, I I don't think you'll see Claypool moved around. You'll see the the flip flop with Mooney and Moore, but I think you'll see Claypool be strictly. DX. Okay. Well, that brings us to Chase, uh, who made his debut with the Bears last season in the, the, the big trade, the, the 32nd overall pick. It ended up being the 32nd overall pick 
of the draft for Claypool. Uh, and uh, let's recall that this guy had a great career at Notre Dame and in his rookie season was on the all-rookie team after he had 889 yards from scrimmage, 11 total touchdowns, tied for the most touchdowns in a season by a rookie wide receiver since the year 2000. Chase Claypool is a very, very talented football player. Greg, your thoughts? I agree with you. And there's a bunch of haters out there. And then what went on on Sunday mm-hmm. was total disrespect. And it, it frankly, it pissed me off mm-hmm. a lot because they didn't have a freaking clue what was going on. You know, people took him being placed on PUP. And let's say this right from the beginning. He didn't even have to be in camp on sun, Saturday or Sunday. He chose to. Okay, the veterans reported yesterday, but he hadn't taken his physical yet. And you can't go out and do anything like with that group that came in early until you pass a physical. When he passed a physical, he's taken off the list. It's real simple. But you saw some of the stuff. There were so many people on talk radio that spent segment after segment after segment trying to bury this guy when they didn't have a fucking clue what they were talking about. One being Danny Parkins. And Danny Parkins brings this a-hole from Pittsburgh, who's his buddy, you know, from college, Andrew Filipponi. Filipponi says, this guy can't run. He never ran fast at Notre Dame. Well, that guy must have never seen him. And, and you know the correlation that I said between the jumps and speed? He ran 4.42, and he had a 39-and-a-half vertical jump. Those correlate. He's a fast guy. Mm-hmm. And he had 10-6 standing long jump. He's a very, very talented guy. When he went to Notre Dame, he's from Canada. He's from British Columbia. And so, obviously, he played against weak competition as compared to, you know, American football, high school Mm -hmm. football players. So, he was, as a freshman, mainly a special teams player, but a hell of a special teams player. Like he led Notre Dame in, in special teams tackles, and he was played on all the cover. He was like the gunner uh, on the punt team. You go down on the kickoff team. He played everything, and which also tells you what kind of toughness he has. But then the next two years, he really came out as a receiver, led Notre Dame as a receiver his junior year, and then he came out early. This guy's a quality receiver, and we've talked about it numerous times and and you know unless ryan poles was lying to me and i know he wasn't you know i had a conversation with him and he said and and you recall this that he goes i know people are upset i get it they want it and that's where i came up with this phrase instant gratification they wanted to come in and catch 30 balls in a half season and touchdown after touchdown it doesn't work that way mm-hmm. especially in this offense, Teddy Monago, who was one of my scouts, now the assistant scouting director for the Rams. He called me the day the trade was made. He said, don't expect any production this year. You're not going to see it. The offense is too hard. And, and it's really almost the exact opposite of what he was playing in Pittsburgh and the terminology that they use in Pittsburgh and what they asked the receivers to do. It takes time. Mm-hmm. And, and Paul said, 
we expected the production when we made the trade, we expected the production to be this year, not last year. Mm-hmm. So, and he said, if I had to do it all over, it'd take me about five seconds to say yes. Now that's mm-hmm. a quote. And then you see somebody on ESPN Chicago say, well, they're disgruntled. Does that sound like a GM that's disgruntled with the player? No, they made it up. Not true. It's uh, and I agree with Cornelius. By the way, he says he's he was shocked that the Bears chose Komet over Claypool, and and it's not that in the draft, and it's not that uh, I had any dislike of Komet. I just thought Claypool was the better player and would have been a a a, a, a good fit for the Chicago Bears. Uh, nonetheless. I appreciate everything that you're saying about the media. They just tend to really overdo it a bit when it comes to criticism of, of players. And I, I wish they showed a little bit more respect. They, 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 yeah, they, they dwell on the negative. Mm-hmm. That's what I don't like is dwelling on the negative, especially when they don't know the answers. Mm-hmm. Like this, this also, they spent a good part of Monday just trying to destroy this kid. And they were, and like four o'clock in the afternoon, it comes out. Oh, he's taking off pup. When they were expected that he was going to miss like weeks, yeah. and that's how they were acting. Acting, he didn't even miss a day. The first practice was today. Right. All right, good stuff. Let's move on down this list of wide receivers as we evaluate the receivers in camp. Uh, Our next graphic includes two players, and that is Valus Jones and Tyler Scott. And the reason I listed both of these guys is because there's similarity between their their styles. Would you agree with that? Mm, I think Tyler might be a little more advanced based on the way he was used at Cincinnati. Okay. He is, he's not a big guy in that he's not tall, but he's stacked up now. He's put together. He's, he's strong. He's tough. He can really run. In fact, you know, he only ran like four, four, three. He looks like he runs four, three, oh, because he is a burner on the football field. He gets separation instantly. I think that he is going to be. The bat, you know, because he's a rookie, he probably only play one position to start until he's real uh, comfortable and up to speed. So I think he'll be, and I could be wrong, but I think he'll be the backup at the slot to start, mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. and then eventually be the backup, the Z and the slot. Uh, but right now, I would I would say he's going to be. Number four. Now, could be you haven't put EQ up there because EQ could be two, but yep. EQ plays a different position. Mm-hmm. Um, Valus obviously had a disappointing rookie year. Uh, I, I think it was a little bit too big for him mm-hmm. a, as a rookie, and that that's not unusual with receivers. Just Lately, the receivers coming into the league are so advanced. You know, he wasn't. He had flashes. Mm-hmm. Do I think he's going to be on the team? Yes. I, I do not think, unless he really is terrible in the preseason, I do not think he is in jeopardy of losing a roster spot this particular year. Now, after this year, you just, 
unless a guy is terrible, you don't cut a third round pick from the year before. Yeah. You just don't, you just don't do it. Right. You, you, you give them the opportunity to do it. If the guy stinks, then they'll, they'll bite the bullet and do it, but he doesn't stink. I just don't, I, I, he, what happened was he really wasn't because he was thinking too much. He, he's a four, three guy and he wasn't playing the four, three speed. And that happens when you got to think too much. Yep. And you're, and, and you're not comfortable with exactly what you're being asked to do. Um, <laughs> they you know, opened up some gadget plays for him later in the year to get the ball in his hand because that's where he's good. And he had some success doing that. So, you know, I think that uh, he's going to be that same kind of player this year. But I would think if you're looking at where he lines up on the depth chart, unless he really comes on, he might be sixth of six. Hmm. I, you know, when they get to the 53. Okay. You know, one thing about Valus that a lot of people don't talk about it was his proficiency at returning kicks. He ranked seventh in the NFL with 607. Uh, uh, kickoff return yards seventh and of runs of over 20 yards he was uh six in that category so he immediately you know proved that he can be a prolific kick returner he just has to of course secure the ball better because he's had some ball security uh, well he had, a, he had a big fumble on a muff to punt right right where the bears were if i recall correctly they were um winning at that time in that game mm -hmm. and then immediately gave up a touchdown because of the uh, muff punt and ended up losing the game. And that was the difference in the game. Mm -hmm. uh, like I said, a, a couple minutes ago, the best thing he does is run with the ball when the ball's in his hands. And they were, you know, obviously as a return guy, but then, you know, he started doing some reverses and then he get them on some bubble screens because it's just the, you know, you just got to catch the quick pass and then start running, mm -hmm. you know, get him in space because that's what he does. So if you want to say that's a gadget guy, that's what he is. And I think until he proves otherwise, and he, he could, he could, you know, take the big second year jump. I think he'll be a gadget guy. And I think that when you look at the other guys on the roster, he's going to be, I, I think they keep six and he'll be six of six. Mm -hmm. Bellissimo asks, uh, who will win the returner job, Ebner or Valis? And uh, Brad Biggs, who was our guest last week, talked highly about Tristan Ebner. Not that he had high expectations, but that he thought that Tristan Ebner would get an opportunity to showcase his skills, particularly catching the ball out of the backfield and to keep an eye on Tristan Ebner. But when it comes to returning kicks, uh, what do you think about Berlissimo's question? If you were to make a guess, who wins that returner job? I, I'd say Valus, and I like Ebner as a returner. You go back, mm -hmm. really – your exposure to him is going back and look at the, at the tape when he was at Baylor. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm, and, yeah. and he's another guy who couldn't run and he's explosive. <clears throat> I don't recall if he does punts. I know he does kickoffs and he's real good at kickoffs. Yes, he is. Yes, he is. Uh, but Baylor's can do both. Yeah. Now the thing with, with Ebner is, and, and I get Biggs thinking but 
they brought in the guy from Seattle, mm-hmm. and that was a poll's favorite. So, you know, obviously he's got to play himself out of a job. So I think for that fourth running uh, back spot, it, it's, you know, between Homer and Ebner for the four spot, if they, in fact, keep four on the 53, I think they will. Mm-hmm. But, you know, they could just keep three. And then that fourth guy is going to be on the practice squad. Yeah, uh, J2K says, I think uh, I don't think Velas can return punts. Uh, but that leads me to this question. What is the difference from a scout's point of view when you're looking at returners? What's the difference between a kickoff returner and a punt returner? Why can't every guy who returns entirely, kicks do both? It's it's because it's an entirely different skill set. First, just fielding the ball is different. You got kickoff is a for the most part an end over end kick that's lower. Mm-hmm. It's it's easier to field. The but you also got to be a little bit tougher runner to return kickoffs efficiently because you got to hit that seam in the wedge real quickly. Mm-hmm. Okay, so you've got to be. I'm going to say a little bit more explosive at the beginning of the run. Mm-hmm. You got to get up through that first pack of of uh, defenders, which is you know give or take the twenty yard line, and then after that, you know you break through that group, and and then you're in the open field. The punt obviously a lot higher. Wind has a lot of of effect on the punt. The spin is totally different. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, so it's it, it's like a baseball player having to judge a pop, you know, a, a, a high pop-up, you know, it, it's, you don't judge the ball right. And and in the case of his fumble, he didn't judge it right. Mm-hmm. He was, he, you know, was back a little bit too far. And then he had to overextend to make the catch instead of having, you know, bring it in and here, you know, he was out like this. So, and that happened. So, you know, you go back and you look at him. Through his career as a returner, he's been pretty good at both. I mean, I've never seen that a lot of teams have two different guys doing the skill set because or doing the return because it mm-hmm. is two different skill sets. The best guy I've ever seen being able to do both is Devin. <laughs> but Indeed. then he's the best guy in the history of game of doing it. So, yeah. Future Hall of Famer, Devin Hester. Um, all right, let's get back to our wide receivers. Uh, we got uh, in this chart, Equinemius St. Brown and newly acquired Isaiah Ford. So let's begin with EQ, a fifth-year wide receiver who completed his first season with the Bears in 2022. He only had 21 receptions with the Bears and scored one touchdown. But again, you know, his value was as a blocking wide receiver for this run-heavy football team and his special teams play. Uh, is is that a fair assessment? Yeah, and he's the backup to, to Chase at the X. He fits the mold of what they're looking for mm-hmm. at the X receiver spot. Mm-hmm. To give you an example of what the coaching staff in the front office think of EQ, they signed him to a new contract two days after the season ended. Mm-hmm. I mean, it was like, done, we want you back. And they knew they didn't have to do a multi-year deal. So, you know, he got a little raise. And that was that. But that tells you that 
you know, they weren't going to let him hit free agency. They wanted him locked up. They liked the player. Um, there's some limitations, obviously, but he's also the best blocking receiver they have. Uh, and that value on special teams, your, your, your receivers, four, five, and six, in particular, five and six, have to be valuable special teams players. They mm-hmm. have to produce. Otherwise, they, 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 no sense of having them on the roster. And he can do that. You know, he's, he's a backup X. He plays on all the teams. He's a tough guy. He can block. He's a good person. He's a good character guy. And he's athletic, too, now. I mean, you know, he, he was no slowpoke. He was a 448 or a 447 coming out. He's a lot faster than his brother and a lot bigger than his brother. His brother's yep. just a better receiver. Mm-hmm. Yeah, EQ is the kind of guy who's a, a great clubhouse presence. He will do the dirty work. He won't complain, and he knows this Luke Getze offense inside and out. Uh, now, Isaiah Ford, <laughs> I actually started doing some research on Isaiah Ford, and I ran across this headline from one of the Chicago Bears fan websites. Bears get a steal in Isaiah Ford. <laughs> I'm like, Jesus, this is not Jesus Christ. Um, it's a journeyman football player who didn't see a single snap of football last season, despite the fact that he was injury-free. But nonetheless, it was interesting that they brought him in before taking Chase Claypool off of Pup. And so, because that had us all wondering, well, is Chase's injury uh, more, more serious? Why do you think they brought in Isaiah Ford? And uh, do you think there's any chance he catches on with the Bears? Another uh, catch on? No. Another camp body. Okay. Yeah. You got you to gotta have a certain amount of guys to play the position mm-hmm. in training camp because you're – throwing the ball all the time, mm-hmm. you know, but when you go through the different periods uh, and, and you don't want guys running two plays in a row. So you need 11 or 12 receivers on your roster to start mm-hmm. off camp. And I don't know what the number is for the bears, but I bet you it's pretty damn close to that. Mm-hmm. Uh, but number two, says- the last thing on them, you know, they want speed. He, he, God didn't give him speed. He ran four, six and change when he came out. So four, four six, my goodness. Yeah. <laughs> that is not, uh, Levante says that Ford will be a practice squad player. I'm not sure he has eligibility. I'm not sure how that no, you can is. put, you can put, uh, you have a limited number of veterans that you can put. I don't even think he's a practice squad guy myself. Okay. Uh, now, could I do I know him well enough to say that? No. But, mm-hmm. you know, I look at the, the natural traits. I just don't see it. Uh, he was out on the street as a wide receiver. Most wide receivers, everybody has close to a dozen wide receivers in camp. So if you're out of, you know, it's not like you got a dozen defensive ends. Right. Okay. But you got that many wideouts because they're needed in camp. And, if you're still out on the street, that's not saying a whole lot about you. I mean, there are a couple guys that I think got a chance for the practice squad, but he isn't one of them until he proves differently. Yep. 
Here's our here are two good candidates for the practice squad. Um, the symbol Webster and Doris Fountain. I want to start with Fountain first because last year when the Bears were in need of trying to uh, add some wide receivers, and I knew you know there wasn't going to be anyone available via trade. Uh, this was after they acquired Claypool. I looked at the practice squad for the Kansas City Chiefs and found the name Doris Fountain. I did some research on him. He's a big, tall, strong wide receiver. Does He's like EQ. Yeah. Yeah. He's, he's another expert. He doesn't run that well. He's another guy who runs four six. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But real good camp guy. I personally, I, you know, I think Webster's got a better chance. You're probably going to have at least two receivers on the practice squad. Uh-huh. For the same reason. You're throwing all the time. You need a bunch of guys. So, but the guy, and, and you'll get to him, that I think, just based on what I saw and looking at his raw traits, is I don't even know if I know how to say his name. Cyric. Uh, 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 I got him here. Hold yeah. on. <laughs> uh, Cyric Pitts. Pitts. But he's a he's a four four guy. He's mm-hmm. big. He's raw. Played at mm-hmm. Delaware, but mm-hmm. uh, there's some talent there. Yeah. Well, he's definitely an eye to keep a guy to keep an eye on, and I I I left Dante Pettis off this list because he was placed on the active non football injury list late yesterday yesterday afternoon after polls met with the media and said everybody is fine. <laughs> well, obviously, he had, he had something that happened between mm-hmm. the end of. OTAs, and now that's why it's non-football injury. Mm-hmm. So that's like PUP, though. You can be on NFI for one day or two days. Okay. Okay. Or you could, you know, there's no. You once the season starts, then you go on. It, it, it's you, there's preseason PUP, preseason NFI. Mm-hmm. Okay, and. You, you count against the 90-man roster, and you just can't practice until you're cleared. Right. Okay. The Once you get to the final cutdown, and if you get put on NFI, then you're out a minimum six weeks. Mm-hmm. Same thing with PUP. Now, the one thing with PUP... You only go on PUP at one at one time, and that's the very first day. You can't have a guy practice for two days and then go on PUP. <laughs> okay, it's got to be. You, I didn't you know that. Cannot, yeah, you got to. You cannot. The the reason you're put on PUP is you haven't been cleared to play mm-hmm. originally. Once you're cleared to play, you can never go on PUP again in that particular year. All right. That's out of the way. Uh, Son says, uh, Pitts is an interesting guy, has great hands, decent size. He's a good possession-wide receiver. Um, I've asked people for final questions. Let's field some of the ones we already have here. Uh, Son Torres wants to know, can you please ask, Greg, if the both of us can do two days, (laughs) two shows a week? (laughs) 
you guys needed a brother that we're needed. We provide some common sense for Bears fans, led by you, of course. We have to talk about that, Greg. Maybe we should do two shows a week during the season. It'd be fun. Um, of course, that means more money, right? <laughs> <laughs> you saw it. <laughs> Don't make me start coughing. <laughs> B-A-W-J, Bruce, Ollie, Walter, Jordan, says the uh, wide receiver room assessment in general. So oh, in general, I, I got to tell you, I'm impressed by this wide receiver room. It's one of the best uh, in years. What's your overall sense of the wide receiver? I agree. I think it's pretty good. Yeah. I know one thing. It's one of the fastest in the league. Mm -hmm. Top to bottom, it might be the fastest in the league. No, mm -hmm. they don't have a guy as fast as Tyreek Hill. Mm -hmm. But of the of the, the six that will be on, on the roster, all six are sub-4-5. All six are sub-4-4-7, 4, four, seven, four, four eight, with EQ being the slowest guy. Yeah. Okay. Mm. Is a you've got Claypool's four four two, Scott's four four three. These are combine numbers. Um, DJ Moore's four four two. Mooney's four three seven. Bayless is like four three two. Mm -hmm. uh, that's a fast freaking guy. Pettis was a four four four, and he might not make the team. That's right. Yeah, Pettis. Uh, people forget is 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 quite the burner. He selected out of the second round, so there were higher expectations for him. I tell you, his his tape in college was mm -hmm. really good. Yeah, yeah, very good. Uh, Daniel says that he em emphasizes empathizes with you because he had uh, congestive heart failure. So he takes two water pills every day and something called Zarotol to prevent a stroke. I can't wait. Wow. I can't work my regular job. Right. Yeah. Uh, so his situation. No, my thing is just it, it, it flares up every once in a while. And actually, I didn't know why. For the people listening, although before we went on said, could be the air quality. And I never thought about that. Yeah. And you're probably 100% right. There's yeah. all that shit in the air right now, and there has been. And that's about when this started to act up. Yeah, that's the, I bet it, it is definitely that. All right, some more questions here. Um, Bush wants to know, what are your thoughts about the defense? How much will it improve this year? That's almost a softball question because you could say a lot and they could then be in the middle of the of the, of the league because being the worst well, to the middle. Down, so, uh, <laughs> exactly. <laughs> no, I, I think they're going to be a lot better. If, if you look at – they haven't added that – Dangerous pass rusher, so, so to speak. Mm -hmm. Could they have one on the ro roster? Maybe. Mm -hmm. He's got to develop. But the people they've added in the veteran free agency area, Green, Walker, guy from the Raiders, Biggins, is, is they're all really good run defenders. Mm-hmm. And so I think the run defense is going to be way better. The interior pass rush is going to be way better. 
the linebacker play. I'll tell you, it surprised me they cut Weatherford yesterday because they liked him. Yeah. And but that tells you what they think of the group. Mm. It's pretty darn good. And I and you know, there's really only two starters the way that they play defense now. You got a Mike and a Will. Very rarely do you, do you play some downs with a Sam? Yeah, but not not that much. So yeah. uh, the Sam linebacker has to be able to back up at Mike. He has to be able to back up at Will. Um, and when he gets an opportunity to play with three, you know, when they play with three linebackers, he'll, he'll get a snaps. But the number of snaps where that happens is, you know, at most 20%. And and if, if, if Flus had his way, it'd be more like 15%. Um, Levante has asked this question a couple of times, and it's a great question. I want to make sure I get it in. He uh, says, what do you look at, look at attentively when you are scouting wide receivers? And has it changed over the years? As, as scouting wide receivers changed over the years? And, and what are the keys that you look at when uh, evaluating a wide receiver? Well, I, I, that, that could take an hour. Um, wide receivers are very easily overrated because you get a lot of guys the way, the way offenses are built in college Mm -hmm. and a lot of them aren't very difficult, but they spread things out and colleges for the most part, their weakest position is, is DBs and corners. Mm -hmm. They just don't have enough. So you got things spread out. There's some of these offenses where a receiver might only run three routes. His whole route tree might consist of three routes. So what I'm trying to say is you got to look at a number of things. First of all, does he have the natural traits? Mm -hmm. Speed and quickness, body control. Does he break down when you're watching him uh, run routes? Is he upright or can he break down going into the cut and coming back out? Does he have a really good burst coming out of the cut and does he retain that good body control is he a cans catcher in other words is he catching the ball away from his body not in here mm-hmm. um then you look at what he's being asked to do now you can't penalize him because he's got a limited route tree but you have to note it because the learning curve for that guy is going to be a lot more than somebody who comes from a more sophisticated offense. Mm-hmm. So, and, and you can, you can put the tape on, you can say, you know, you see one guy, he lines up consistently on the right side and he runs maybe three routes. You see him run deep, you see him run a slant, you see him run a hitch. That's all they do. Every single play, you know, so they could catch a number of balls, but their their offense is so limited in what they're being asked to do, it makes it a little bit harder to project. Mm-hmm. So that, that's where interviews, getting a guy on the board, finding out his intelligence factor, that's where a lot of that stuff comes into play. But with me, the big, I mean, like the big things, you say, I, 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 I always write down if he plays in a limited offense. 
you know, meaning his route tree is, is small. Right. But he's got to have the natural traits. He's got to be able to catch the ball. And, and not only catch the ball, courage. Will he catch the ball in traffic? Right. If I see a guy who won't go into traffic, I bury him. Yeah. But that, that's me. I mean, you know, different people might not do that. But that's like to me, if you can't catch the ball in traffic, how do you expect to play in the National Football League? Because you are going to get killed. Mm-hmm. When, when you talk about all those traits, uh, Greg, can you apply those? You can apply all of those to Valus Jones um, and the limited, you know, pass receptions he had at Tennessee. Is that fair to say? Well, yeah. 50-something, I think, is last year, but it was the only year that he really had the great production. Right. He was always a return guy. Mm-hmm. You know, I think when it gets down to they really looked at the traits, the speed. He was the fastest receiver in the combine that year. Mm-hmm. And, you know, they looked at that, and they were impressed with him in the interview, and they said, we can do this, this, and this. You know, they could have been wrong. Or maybe it's just going to take an extra year. I mean, it doesn't help that he's already 26. But that doesn't bother me because, it, you know, receivers don't get beat up like running backs do. Right. <coughs> so. Yeah. Um, Cornelius says, I'd rather have Valus than Jordan Addison. <laughs> I, I like Jordan Addison. I'm not going to. What surprised me about Jordan Addison is he didn't run fast. He sure as hell plays fast. Yeah, it surprises me that he uh, drives so fast just before training camp. <laughs> what a knucklehead! Um, he's all taking right. his dog to the vet. That's a that's a pretty situation. And he had the, he did have the dog with him. He did. He had the dog with him. Oh, okay. So. All right. uh, you know, he said the dog was going through an emergency and he called the emergency vet and he was trying to get there as fast as he could. Oh, wow. now, could that have been true? Fine. Could have been, but who the hell goes 140? Yeah, well... Well, he had a Lamborghini or something, so I guess, you know. I hope the dog survived the traffic stop. <laughs> All right, let's get a few more in here. Berlissimo wants to know, you're starting an offensive defensive lines. Of course, it's going to be Braxton Jones, left tackle. It's going to be Tevin Jenkins at left guard. It's going to be Cody White here at center. It's going to be Nate Davis at right guard, and it will be Darnell Wright, who, by the way, got accolades from uh, uh, General Manager Ryan Poles yesterday at the press conference about how hard he's worked and he's dropped uh, a lot of weight, as you predict, predicted he would, and that his body fat is uh, is at an excellent shape. But uh, what that's I would like Ryan to know... old boy now. Yes, he, he is. That, that's what, his boy. He, he, he's, he's hanging his hat on that guy. Indeed. So what I would like to know is Berlissimo's uh, second part of his question. What is that first rotation at the defensive line going to be going to look like? What would you predict there? Yeah, I think we talked about this. I'm unsure if guessing I would say, Mm -hmm. well, let me back up a little bit. Who starts and who doesn't start doesn't matter. It's how many snaps you're getting. Yes. Okay. Because they're going to play a rotation. So, Looking at the interior, I would think the prudent thing to do was you got two rookies and you got two veterans. So you would line up a rookie and a vet instead Mm -hmm. of having two rookies and two vets and in there at the same time. So 
Now, could I be totally off on that? Absolutely. Mm-hmm. You know, but that's just my thinking. So you've got at least some experience in there all the time. Now, who it ends up being, if you know, you're going to have big Andrew in there at, at nose tackle. So is it going to be him and say Zach Pickens and then Jones and Gervon Dixon? You know, you think, could be, you know, I, cause I think Gervon is going to be, um, or Dexter, I said Dickens, I'm not Dexter. Gervon, I think is going to be starting off as the nose mm-hmm. and, you know, your threes will be Pickens and Jones, and then your nose will be uh, Andrew and, and Gervon. So uh, as far as the ends, Walker will be one. I think he'll be on the left side, not the right. I think the right end isn't on the team yet. Interesting. Uh, the unless. Dominique Robinson really takes off. Now he mm-hmm. was starting at the end of last year, but you know if you bring in Ngakwe or or Houston, one of those guys will be your your starter. Okay. At the end spot. Well, let's hope that happens quickly because uh, we'd like to see him in camp. <laughs> All right. Uh, just no, let, me, let me let me say this. They could bring that guy in two and a half weeks before the season starts and he'd be fine. It's mm-hmm. the easiest position to get the guy acclimated. Don't forget, go back to 18 when they when they uh, traded for Khalil Mack. Mm-hmm. He was never in camp that year. And that trade was made eight days before the opening game. Great point. Okay, so it's these are veterans. They're, they're working out all the time. They're keeping themselves in shape. In the case of Houston, he has played in the exact scheme. He played for Flues for two years, so he knows the scheme. And in the case of Ngakwe, he's played in a similar scheme. There might be a a little bit of terminology difference, but the basic job is the same. Get the freaking passer. That's it. That's it. Get the quarterback and hurt him badly. Danger T wants to know, on the first day of training camp, can you tell right away if you have a good team? If not, how long does it take? Well, right now and for the next week, because I said the first day of pads is next Wednesday, right? which is long. It used to be like you do three days of OTA-type practice, and then you get into pads. I don't know why it's a week now. <clears throat> we might have to end this pretty soon, buddy. Okay. Um, but right now they're not playing football yet. It's OTA practice. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. There's, no, there's more contact, so to speak, than you had in OTAs because in OTAs you're not allowed to touch a guy, yeah. supposedly. Well, now you can. Camp's open. You can touch the guy. But, you know, they're going to – the coaches are going to set limits on it because you're still not in pads. Indeed. All right, I'm going to leave it there so that way you can uh, rest up those lungs. I've kept you well over time, one 
hour and 50 minutes just about uh, so i'll let you go and i'll uh we had two or three other questions j2k your question about pre-snap movement and mr inglewood your question about lovey smith great questions and then uh, this real what, quick what, 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 what were the, about lovey? The, the, the lovey uh when lovey came to chicago he took the bears to the super bowl after year three are we on the same schedule timetable in 2023 i like the question um you know that's a good question i could be. I mean, we had to totally redo the defensive line in year one because we had nobody who could, except Alex Brown, who could play in this scheme. Mm-hmm. So we had to go out and get players. Um, and over the first couple of years, we accumulated them. We got, you know, Tank and Tommy Harris year one in the draft. <coughs> the... I, I, I think at some positions the Bears are better than that team was right now at, at the personnel. Uh, offensive line on those teams are pretty damn good. So I don't think they're as good as the offensive line was. But uh, um, I, I think you got to wait and see. I, I, you know, who, who knows? We'll, we'll know by the end of the season. And you froze, Aldo. Okay. Aldo lost power for some reason. So I'm going to take it upon myself because he can't talk and you just see his ugly face sitting there on the screen um, to sign off. So thank you all for tuning in. We'll be back uh, next week. Uh, I'm not sure if it'll be Monday or Tuesday, but it'll be one of those days. Take care. Have a good week.